Hello, my friends, and welcome to the latest edition of the Selby is Godcast. I am TJ Zuppi. He is Zach Meisel. We are from the Athletic Cleveland, and breaking news for those just pulling up this podcast. I have an important news bulletin. Zach Meisel has just learned that there is a microphone hidden within his headphones that allows him to speak <laughs> through his headset. Congratulations, man. Yeah, Welcome and hopefully... 2012. Hopefully this will improve the quality of our uh, audio. I know sometimes it makes our voices strange and adds certain things, makes it sound weird. Hopefully this sounds okay. Adds or subtracts? Like so it could subtract years from the equation too, perhaps. I don't know. We're not in the same location and this is the best that we got. So we hope that everyone enjoys this, but if there are weird noises in the background or Zach sounds like uh, an inhuman person based on his voice or anything to that level happens. Just assume that it is the Illuminati listening in or, or something. How's Goodyear, my friend? You've been out there for a few days enough to probably sample every single fast food place there is. And now you're circling back for round two. Yeah, I actually started round two today. <laughs> it's, like, it, it's great if you're a fan. I, I think it would be a fun trip, probably not every year, but to make it out here once the weather is nice. Man, it's been brutal. 40s and rain the last couple of days. Not that anyone wants to hear me complain about that. But I think it would be fun to, to watch practice and, and see a couple games and, and spend a week out here. Now, when you have to spend weeks and weeks and weeks out here, there's just nothing to do, and there's only a handful of chain restaurants and fast food places within reach. Uh, so it's it tests you. I'm on a weird <laughs> routine, like go to bed at 9, wake up at 5, and it, it's just – it's so strange. Like I, I've not really gotten accustomed to Arizona yet. I yeah, think. That, that entire schedule – it gets a little better as we, I mean, once you get into games and the morning sessions aren't quite as early, um, it gets a little bit more normal, but it's weird that by the time you get back to your hotel room uh, around eight o'clock, you know, you would envision people thinking, well, the games are done at four your time. So you have the rest of the night to do whatever you want. And, and that's true. Usually by the time you're done working and, writing whatever you're writing, preparing for the morning. Uh, maybe a couple of hours have passed and it's like six o'clock. You get back to your room. Only thing you want to do is just go to, go to bed. It's, it's the weirdest yeah, it's, thing. It's the opposite <laughs> of the regular season because, you know, you're at the complex by seven, eight, eight in the morning. And, you know, the players get there around similar time and, and you, you watch them leave at like two in the afternoon. And during the season, they're getting to the ballpark at two in the afternoon and, and you're not leaving till midnight. So it's, it's, it's strange. And it's, uh, you know, I always wonder, we've talked, we talked about this last year, like when players reach that point during spring, when they're like, get me the hell out of here. I'm ready for the season. Let's go to Cleveland. Let's go to actual cities on the road instead of Arizona. We're uh, certainly we're not there yet. Games. We're recording this on Friday games start on Saturday for the Indians. But, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how quickly that arrives. Um, and I think it might be a little different this year because there are fewer players 
in the Indians clubhouse this season who have jobs locked up, who are veteran guys who have been around this this organization for a bunch of years. It's it's different. So I'm interested to see if maybe that interest in spring training and the competition and the and that schedule uh, lasts longer than it has in years past. I mean, this is the one spring where they might need more games to figure out who's going to pitch in their bullpen by the time opening day arrives. Yeah. Usually, usually it's settled and maybe there's one spot left at most, and the candidates for that spot can probably pitch in one game <laughs> near the end of spring, and then that's it. This year, my God, <laughs> we both tried the exercise of figuring out who's in the Indians' bullpen. There are strengths and weaknesses here. The strength is there's a lot of candidates to pick from, so you just have a lot of chances to throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. The downside, they don't have a lot of proven commodities, and there's no just one guy that stands out as the eighth-inning man, no doubt about it. This is the guy you give the ball to right before Brad Hand. And trying to figure out not just the roles that the guys will be in, but who are the seven or eight guys that are going to break camp is, is really nearly an impossible task at this point. Can we play a game? I would love to. Is this better than like saw? I, I don't want to play any one of those sorts of games, but it's, it's better than Mario Kart. Okay. I will take your word for it. Let's put Brad hand off to the side. He's your quote unquote closer. Let's go one by one naming every reliever who could possibly break camp in the bullpen. And then let's see how many we reach. And the, uh, the, the okay. person who runs like the last person loses. Does that make sense? <laughs> I, I think so. Should I go first? Go ahead. Should we get the, the ones that we pretty much know out of the way first, or should we I save those for last? What's I, the strategy I, here? Well, it, it's whatever you want. I think there are fewer guarantees than you might be hinting at. Well, there's a lot of guys with options. And if you want to keep more veterans that are on mm-hmm. minor league deals, then maybe Adam Simber's job is not as as guaranteed as what we thought heading into camp. I don't think that's the case. I think Adam Simber's in the in the bullpen. He does have an option, but I guess he'll be the first one that I name. So Adam Simber. Okay, I'll say Tyler Olson. I think he's a lock. Mm, yeah, I think so. Probably because he's out of options. So I don't think they would want to run the risk of losing him because when he's been healthy, he's been pretty good, at least in a left-on-left role. Uh, so, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I will say Neil Ramirez, who is sort of in a similar spot to Tyler Olson, that he doesn't have an option. He's making a million dollars. And so he's probably got a pretty good inside track to make the bullpen, I would think. See, I disagree with that. I mean, I, I, I just – I don't know how you differentiate him from a bunch of other guys. And I know he's, he's guaranteed a million bucks, but that's only, what, like 400000 more than the minimum? So I don't know. But he fits for this game, so my turn. I will say – Oliver Perez, who I think is a lock. Yeah, well, they I don't think they would have signed him when they did and given him the, uh, the potential for a second year on the, the contract if they thought they were going to shuffle him away at the end of camp. I will take you to task, though, for 
not telling me immediately that he has a shaved head this this spring. The the silver uh, mohawk, the salt and pepper look on top of his head is gone. Yeah, I don't know why you would change it up after last season was so fruitful for him. It seems like that might be tempting fate. In the interest of changing hairstyles, though, there are a few guys that have gone in different directions. The, the immediate one that jumps out, well, I mean, I guess you could say Lindor's hair color, but Danny Salazar has grown a thick and luscious mane. <laughs> and I guess he sort of falls <laughs> into this category, but I don't know he officially does. Like, what was the rules? Was it that they had to break camp on the team, or is it that they could just factor into the bullpen this year? No, I think he, I think he fits. I mean, okay. I think, yeah, that's fine. Uh, right, well, also, Danny it's, it's crazy because he's had what a year and a half to get a haircut, and he hasn't <laughs> he hasn't done so. There are you plenty know, of barbers in Arizona. <laughs> once you're out there for a long time, you just stop caring, man. I I haven't seen a human being in years. It's kind of like well, you haven't seen the movie The Martian, probably, but you know he's stranded on Mars, and right before they go to pick him up. Matt Damon finally cuts his own hair, but leading up to that point, he hasn't brushed his teeth. His beard is just growing like crazy. When you haven't seen a soul in, in 365 souls, if you will, then you know it has a tendency probably to grow and you just don't care as much. That's a good segue to Cody Anderson, who I don't know why I get this feeling that by August he's going to be the Indians' eighth inning guy. Um, but he has spent the last two plus years in Arizona and joked that he deserves to be recognized for it with a hallway. He, he got so excited when he thought of the idea of Cody's hallway in the Indians complex in Arizona. Um, and he said, if that's not an option, then maybe a plaque for a parking space with his name on it. Um, but he's a guy who, we, we said this last spring too, but he's just so grateful that there are other people people he knows, familiar faces around him in Arizona for once. And this time, he's going to get to the end of spring training, and he's not going to have to stay there. Uh, so I don't know if it'll be in Columbus or if it'll be in Cleveland. I'm guessing Columbus to start. Uh, but he's a guy who could uh, certainly factor into the equation. I want to know where he picked up this personality that he's developed. It's great. And I remember when he came up as a rookie, granted, you're unfamiliar with your surroundings. These are new reporters you're talking to. Uh, you want to maybe speak only when you're spoken to. But in the last few conversations, I mean, I know what you wrote about the other day was tremendous. When we talked to him, uh, even as late as last year, he was cracking jokes in himself. So somewhere along the lines in the desert, he found himself a personality. <laughs> and I, I dig it. I like it. Uh, you know what, so, though, that that uh, there are a bunch of guys who we've seen. I, th I think Shane Bieber, you can tell it's noticeable how much more comfortable he is talking to reporters even the spring than he was last year. And, and the guy who has made the biggest strides. Remember when Mike Clevenger was a rookie and when he would talk to us after a start, you could tell his voice was shaking. He was so nervous and every answer would be like two or three words. And now I'm asking him about athleticism and he launches into this tangent about veganism and LeBron James and dog nipples and giving milk. So 
I don't know if you can get more comfortable than Mike Clevenger is now. (laughs) And that's amazing to think where he was just three years ago. I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? All right, I will go. I've seen that gift continue so more times in the last two days (laughs) than I had ever seen in my previous 29 years. I will say, as this continues, Dan Otero, who had a really awful year last year, was giving up home runs at an incredible rate. And you know what? Now that Jordan Bastion is on a different beat, I'm going to out him here. Last year, we were watching a game, and it was late in the game. Dan Otero had come in, and and he he knows what his – Dan, unfortunately, knew what his home run rate was, and us – watching it almost every single night, knew that he was giving up a ton of home runs. And Otero came into the game late in this particular game, and it was – he threw a pitch, and I think it was com- comes in. It's like a strike. It's whatever. And Jordan says, well, uh, Dan hasn't given up a home run lately. Next pitch, out of the park. It's amazing so, how that works. Uh, you had to feel for uh, Otero, who went through a situation that I know he said a couple of times – he was struggling to find some answers on maybe I mean, we've seen hitters just be more apt to hit sinkers and that being a pitch that hitters are seemingly doing more damage against. And that's what kind of Otero's bread and butter. So maybe that's part of the equation. Uh, maybe he just threw it too much last year, but he needs to be better. He needs to be the guy that he was not even the, the guy that he was in his first year with the Indians, but at least the guy he was in his second year, he cannot be the guy he was last year. Uh, or the bullpen is really going to be uh, quickly looking for different answers somewhere in the middle of the games. You know, I actually spoke with him today and I asked, because it's so difficult sometimes during a season to take a step back and self-evaluate and pinpoint exactly what it is that's plaguing you because you can think that you have it solved and you can go into a game and Maybe it works one day and you think it's all fixed and then it's not. And then you're asking more questions and this goes on and on and on. And I asked him, I said, now that you've had a few months, uh, were you able to identify just kind of what was ailing you last year? And he said, yeah, I need to stop giving up so many damn home runs. (laughs) Um, But but he he went on to say, you know, it was nothing like it wasn't just one mechanical tweak he needed to make or, or anything like that. It was just two simple things, which is one with his stuff, he's got to keep the ball down and, and he was elevating it too much. And especially against lefties who just absolutely torched him last season. And then two, I think, you know, he only had a few walks last season, a, a few unintentional walks. And he even said, he's like, you know, if I fall behind in the count, I, I don't need to feel the urge to just put one in there to try to, to, to battle back. Cause again, he, like he doesn't have that fastball that's going to blow guys away. He doesn't have the breaking ball maybe that he can throw for a strike, stuff like that. So it, it's, it's, you know, you have to, you have to work with what you have. And I think he just, especially with him, like once you start doubting yourself and then you wonder what's wrong and why this is happening, then you try to be too fine. And it's just, it's like a downward spiraling snowball and i think it got him pretty good last year um i mean imagine being in his shoes i had a one of our subscribers ask me i think it was when i wrote about the bullpen and i had written that he had thrown his sinker i think it 
I can't remember exactly, somewhere between like six and eight percent more often than he had uh, in the few previous seasons. And, and perhaps that he had maybe got a little too predictable with that pitch. Now, it, that's probably oversimplifying, but uh, it certainly was not the weapon that it's been in the past. And it wasn't the ground ball uh, type weapon that he, he typically uses it to be. And someone said, well, why, why is that? You know, if, if you're seeing the results with that pitch not be where you want them to be, why would you stick with it? And th- think about for, for Otero, how does he have success throughout his career? By keeping the ball on the ground, by getting outs with the sinker. And when you're not having success with that pitch, it's kind of like a, a shooter in basketball that's not hitting threes. What do you do? You just keep going back to the three-point arc and start launching until they start going down again and I think it would be natural in his position to continue to go to that pitch to try to get it right because he knows he leans on that pretty heavily and probably uh, it's it becomes a snowball effect for him where yes he's throwing it more and he's trying to get it to become the ground ball weapon but what's happening hitters are realizing oh I'll just wait for his sinker because it's all that he's throwing now and so, you know, maybe that's part of the equation, too, for him. But he certainly needs to be a lot better than he was last year for this bullpen to have some uh, success. All right, I'll say Tyler Clippard signed to a minor league deal, struck out 88 batters in 65 innings last year. If he has anything left in the tank, he'll be on that opening day roster. Hmm. Um, I kind of felt the same way about Alex Wilson, who yep. is – like you look at his numbers and there, there's some things there where you're like, this doesn't match up. He doesn't, it's not a big strikeout guy. And I don't think he should get the numbers that he does, but he's been okay. He, he's been solid. I'm, I don't know. Like most of these guys and Clippard probably falls in this mix too. There's a lot of guys that I don't know that I would want them occupying that, that old school setup role or the eighth inning role or whatever you want to call it. Another high leverage arm to go with Brad hand, but it's like they have enough guys that are, just seemingly fine perfectly capable that's like the group should be okay but i think it's going to take a lot of time to figure out who kind of operates best where yeah it's like they need salazar anderson or one of those hard throwers to emerge as the quote-unquote eighth inning guy and you're right then they have like 15 people who could be the sixth and seventh inning guys uh it's it's weird, but, um, and you've written about this too, TJ. It's like, it almost seems like they're overcompensating for the depth that they lacked last year. And they're like, all right, well, we're going to make sure that we're not calling up Ben Taylor every other day this season. So we are going to stock our bullpen with like 25 options of guys who, <laughs> Most of them have track records of at least being serviceable. You mentioned an important word too, options. Yep. Taylor has one remaining. Nick Goody has one remaining, who you know two years ago was was a really important part of the bullpen. Last year was supposed to sort of graduate to a seventh or eighth inning role, and he got hurt. And of course, we know uh, the entire season essentially got derailed. Now he comes back and he doesn't really have a spot guaranteed for him. But uh, if they're going to keep the depth that they've tried to create, you need to have guys with options. And a number of the guys that are right there on the fringe do have them. And, and Goody is one of them. Yeah. And another guy's John Edwards. He's got an option as well. I, they won't stop talking about how 
much potential he has. Um, I it's he's going to be one of those guys that they probably have long discussions about. I, I think because of the additions of Clippard and uh, and Wilson, he might get squeezed. But the dude. Okay, so I have a story coming on him next week. The guy was an outfielder, was converted to p- a pitcher after the Cardinals cut him. He went and played in some random independent league in tech- Alpine, Texas, um, where he started pitching. And now he's being considered for the left field once again. <laughs> Incredible story. I can't wait to read it. He beat cancer. He... Underwent Tommy John surgery after it was like misdiagnosed and he missed basically two full seasons. Like this dude has overcome a ton and now he has a chance to be on the major league roster. And what's crazy is he's 31 and yet has like so little wear and tear on his pitching arm, you know, aside from the elbow surgery, but he just, he hasn't had a chance to, really show what he can do. And so he's he's an interesting guy too. Maybe one of those guys who could emerge as a late inning option. Yeah, you start with a mid-90s fastball with a high spin rate. Uh, that's a pretty good starting point, although that's sort of Neil Ramirez too, and it didn't go so well for him last year. He's giving up in home runs. But he is. I, you would certainly add him to the list of guys that are what I've kind of termed as semi-intriguing, not full-on intriguing, not guaranteed intriguing, but at least enough to kind of make you shift your eyebrow up and go, you know, tilt your head to the side and uh, maybe there, there is something here. Um, but those guys that are interesting uh, are fun to kind of see how they perform. And I, I think another one of them is Nick Whitgren, who you look at his fastball, it's not anything special. I mean, there's really nothing special about it. But what if you look performed- at his teeth? I'm going to leave that one to you. Uh, (laughs) It performed. It was among the best fastballs as far as expected. Waited on base last year. Uh, And you don't really know how it happened. There's there's not a lot of reasons to explain how it happened last year with the Marlins. Other than maybe he is just full of deception and knows how to move the pitches in and out. And up and down. And kind of just always keeps the hitter guessing. But he was uh, sort of a surprising DFA from the Marlins and the Indians stepped in and said, we'll take him. He is another guy with options. And I don't think we'll, if he does not make the opening day roster, I don't think we'll have to wait very long until he's up at some point uh, being called on to get some outs. I don't know where it's going to be in the game. Again, he also falls into the category of guys that I'm not really sure eighth inning sorts of setup relievers, but another one that's kind of perfectly capable of being fine. And in the interest of, Looking at their depth, he is somebody that is another semi-intriguing arm. And he's he's missing a tooth, like a front tooth. And so his nickname is Tooth. Supposedly, <laughs> yes. that's what we've heard. <laughs> I Google searched, yeah. I mean, lean into it, right? Sure. Don't run sure. from it. Uh, lean into it. It, it was the Shane Bieber last year with the, the Players' Day nickname on the back was Not Justin. Mm-hmm. If I'm remembering correctly, so lean into it. Why run? No, no reason for that. Yeah, unless we're forgetting somebody, I think we're entering like fringe territory here. Um, AJ Cole, I watched him 
pitched today. He looked pretty good. Though everybody looks pretty good when throwing live BPs <laughs> in spring training in February. Uh, he is super tall. He was a really highly touted prospect with the Nationals. He was like in their top five prospects, as high as number two behind only Bryce Harper uh, in like 2012, 2013. Uh, he was still like in their top five all the way up until 2015, I think. And just has never been able to put it all together. I don't know if he'll have a chance to do that here, uh, but another one of those intriguing arms. If, if they can get some of these guys like him, I know James Hoyt has an option. Um, if they can get some, that's not, that's not fair. That was my next my one. I'll go again then. But if they can get some of these guys to perhaps stick around and agree to go to AAA, if they don't make the mm-hmm. team, their AAA bullpen is going to be pretty <laughs> valuable. During yeah. the season, yeah, yeah, it would be among the best. I would imagine it at that trip at the triple A. Maybe level. they can trade like five of those guys for a quality outfielder. Well, that's how the trade proposals usually go in what if sports and hardball dynasty. So, see what happens. If you just have enough guys there with a high enough overall rating, it all just blends together and give me that really good player. Um, since you said Hoyt, I will say that. The projections, for some reason, have loved him. <laughs> there were some semi-intriguing things when they got him last year from when he came over from Houston, I think. Yeah, I can't remember. I think that was a that was a cash trade, maybe, or a player to be named later. But they did get him from Houston, and I thought for sure he was going to factor into their bullpen at some point last year, and uh, he didn't end up. Uh, that didn't end up happening. But uh, he certainly was considered to be on the short list of guys that will impact the bullpen at some point in, in 2019. Jeffrey Rodriguez is really tall. I think he's staying at my hotel, and maybe he's listening to this podcast as we're recording it. Uh, he throws hard. He was acquired from the Nationals in the Jan Gomes trade, and I don't know much else about him. But I don't think he has a realistic shot at an opening day roster spot. I'm interested to see if they have him starting or relieving if he starts the season at AAA. I don't think... They've decided that yet, but uh, he's an intriguing guy for the future, too. Who? Chi Wei. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm stealing your jokes from last, I think, our last podcast. But he's somewhere in the mix. He's a good changeup. He is one of those guys like Anderson, like Rodriguez, um, like Plutko. They... I, w- I would imagine they get spread out like starters. They go to AAA like starters, and they become that next line of defense for your starters, but they're on uh, a fast track to being able to be called up and give you multiple innings at, at any given point. That's probably what they w- would intend to do with, with Hugh. Hugh. Uh, but, yeah, I think there's a, there's a benefit there. I, mean, I wrote about the what they – uh, could do with Kluber to kind of keep him fresh. There's enough guys that they could cycle through at AAA from a starting standpoint that there's no reason why they can't call up some of those guys to give the rest of their starters a blow at some mm-hmm. point during the season, especially if they're going to be leaning on them like they were last year, which I don't even think they should. Uh, I don't think we should be seeing Kluber or Clevenger. I'll leave Bauer out of this because he would like to throw 140 pitches, but they should not be doing that in May. Um, you want to see what you got your, with your bullpen then give them opportunities to shine and, and they might end up 
pooping themselves. It happens, and you're going to have to run through it's some a, scenarios where it might not be pretty. Yeah, didn't you see the story? What reliever? Didn't the reliever last year or recently talk about pooping himself in the bullpen? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to have to I'm Google not, that. I'm one. not, I I'm not typing that Google. <laughs> I will say uh, one of my favorite things this spring has been watching Jose Ramirez get to know his new teammates. They were doing pitchers fielding practice the other day and who was up on the mound and the play was just a direct throw to third. And so who collected the ball, threw it to Ramirez and just Ramirez. I, I don't know why everything he says to me is hilarious, but he just yelled like, <laughs> good job. Who like, has he is he ever going to say two words to that guy in his life? Um, and it, he just he was he laughed to himself after he said it. Like what a funny last name! But uh, it, it's there are so many new faces in that clubhouse that I want to just chronicle Jose Ramirez meeting each new person and trying to remember who is who. And that's not a pun, but quite yeah, quite literally. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're also talking about a guy that forms a bond with everybody <laughs> there's there is no shortage of of uh, a desire to go meet everybody but mostly just doing it in a mess with everybody sort of way and we already saw the unlikely uh, uh bromance between him and, and napoli um so at this point i wouldn't be shocked by by anything yeah so is there anybody left except my favorite guy who isn't even really in the competition, but he is here on a minor league invite. So Brooks Pounders. If you had to guess what Brooks Pounders looks like, what would you guess? I would say a guy that, uh, you know, I'm going to keep myself out of trouble and just let you go with whatever you're going to think. He's a big dude. He's a really big dude. Seems like a nice guy. Uh, but he looks like his name is Brooks Pounders. I think that's how I can describe it. And I don't think he's going to make the opening day roster, but uh, I don't know. I have nothing. Yes. Crazier things. I don't know if they have. Uh, Fair. Yeah. I mean, the rest, we could talk about Nick Sandlin being an option at some point this year, but it's not going to come on opening day or Tristan McKenzie. Probably not going to start for the Indians of 2019, but late inning dude coming out of the bullpen when you're trying to keep his innings down in September. We're talking about a guy that really the only question about him is his durability. Uh, What better way to take advantage of him late in the year than by putting him in the bullpen and letting him come in and just crush people. Yep. down the stretch yeah i mean so i think the bottom line here is they still it's, it's going to be very tricky to figure out who fits what role best and who can you rely on because a lot of these guys haven't pitched in high leverage situations and um it's you know how long of a leash do you give someone you don't really know that well these are all things like like it's I think April and May are going to be a feeling out process. I think the difference here is there's enough depth to turn to to cycle through 
in May, June, yep. July, where you should be able to avoid the disaster that last year's bullpen was. Right. And, and also think how many guys, and this is, this is just off the top of my head. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but it didn't seem like to make room for all these guys. They always had to designate somebody for assignment or make room on the 40, put someone on the 60. Uh, Then if that person flamed out, then they would have to DFA that guy and hope that he cleared waivers. I really think there's some benefit to the way, I mean, they'll like we kind of talked about, they'll probably give the veteran guys on minor league deals the first crack at it because that's how you maintain your depth by keeping the guys with options in the minor leagues. But because you have enough guys that are on the 40 and have options, they can be a little bit more creative than with this by cycling guys on and off and kind of creating depth at the bottom of the roster that they were so desperate for last year. I mean, these guys, it's one thing to have depth. You have to go out there and perform. And if you, even if we agree that there are enough semi-intriguing guys here that it should somehow form a, I I think a perfectly capable, if just average bullpen, but there still is a lot of question marks about who is pitching where and in what role. And uh, I don't doubt that it's going to take some time to kind of iron it out. Yeah. I also didn't think we were going to spend a half hour talking about the bullpen options. No, I didn't think so either. Uh, and for those that have stuck with us, thank you. Do you want to talk about uh, Trevor Bauer's three simple rules to dating a Cy Young candidate? <laughs> yeah, that he ripped off from Derek Jeter, I think. The only thing he left off was the gift basket, man. Where are the turtles? <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> you know, I asked him the day that story came out, he was walking by and I just said, something like i don't remember like nice rules or something something stupid like that and he's like he just laughed and he said yep i'm in trouble again and i said i just like asked him to to elaborate and he's just like basically said but when am i not in trouble (laughs) and this is becoming a theme this is twice in a week's worth of spring training where he's received a talking to because of something he's said in a story or said on the record to reporters or whatnot. Uh, I'm interested to see if this alters his behavior at all. I mean, he, he had no problem still talking later that day. And, you know, he wants to be this like media mogul. He wants to trailblaze baseball's marketing. And he's launched this company, Momentum, which he wants to highlight and showcase the stars of the game, even the non-stars of the game, with, with these videos. And it's, it's all great, but it's like the face behind the brand probably shouldn't be someone who's saying certain uh, toxic or controversial things. And it's, it's, it's such a complex thing because it's like he is who he is. He's going to always speak his mind and be candid and... You know, a lot of times we complain that athletes aren't that and, and they don't say what's on their mind and they're too boring and vanilla and they use too many cliches. And it's like, that's why I'll never complain about him being candid because it is it is a refreshing change of pace. But 
Like from the Indians perspective, I know it's a pain sometimes from his perspective. I wonder if it's, you know, not really helping his cause for what he wants to accomplish. And it's just, man, it makes it so that it's, it's going to be an interesting year if, if he pitches the way he says he's going to pitch. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that'll be the most important thing. Uh, People can sweep a lot under the rug when you're, just ripping off or helping the team rip off win after win and your ERA is two and a half. <laughs> it's amazing what you can get away with when you're good compared to what people will be uh, disturbed by when you're bad. Uh, that said, I can't wait to see uh, more of the work that he did in the off season with crafting the changeup and seeing how the slider continues to develop and what that does to his entire arsenal. And I mean, there's reason to believe is it crazy to think he he could even improve for where he was at last year? Could he improve, but maybe like the ERA doesn't show it? No, well, I mean, yeah, you could have some bad luck. The thing that because a two twenty one ERA kind of, is pretty damn good. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Uh, the thing that is, I guess, the only thing that I think is really worrisome is the home run rate could normalize yeah. a little bit more because it was. It was probably unsustainable. He knew, low, he knew that time, though, he also... because in, in we were in Chicago after the Cubs game last year, I think it was late, late May. And I said, you've only given up two home runs this year. And he cut me off and said, like, thanks a lot, asshole. Now I'm going to give up three bombs <laughs> my next start. Um, I mean, yeah, it could happen. Uh, it very likely could happen, but he also did a better job of, limiting the hard contact. So part of the equation of giving up home runs is having hard contact. And if you're limiting that your home run rate will come down. So I I don't know. It's, it's tough to look at the past too much with him because he, in the past year and a half, he's become a different pitcher than he was before that. So even when you're like looking at projections and you you think, well, uh, he could regress or this could not be as good as it was last year. That's true. Projections could be spot on with that. But they're also based on uh, the guy he was three years ago, too. It's the same thing with with anybody that makes a major adjustment. If a hitter uh, decides to change his offensive profile and starts hitting the ball more in the air and kind of transforms into more of a power hitter. But the two years before that, he wasn't. Well, it's going to take some time for the projections to catch up. So I think it's fair to expect there could be some regression. But I also think like if that changeup is as deadly as he thinks it can be, and it gives hitters just one more thing to think about, I struggle to find ways that he's going to be like noticeably worse than he was last year. And uh, that would be pretty incredible if he's even maintaining what he was doing. Yeah. And it makes you wonder what the potential is, the ceiling for this rotation, because I think we all expect Shane Bieber to take some, some steps forward and we know what the other guys in that rotation can do. I will say, uh, there are a ton of new faces in that clubhouse. It is, it's weird. There is a different vibe. It is, there's a new, a new guard, changing of the guard. You know, Kipnis has joked a couple times. They got rid of all my friends. What am I supposed to do? Uh, and he's not the only one who said that. You know, it's weird. And so, the interesting thing is watching these guys interact, seeing who kind of, you know. Like, like fits with, with the old guys who have already been here. Um, and it's, it's also funny because Carlos Santana 
It's it's really like he never left. Um, but but it's it's almost like it's kind of like it's Trevor Bauer and Mike Clevenger's team. It feels like, and and maybe it's early. Maybe that changes. But I don't know. Like their bickering is kind of that's that's most of the talk in the clubhouse. Um, and Clevenger and Bieber and Kipnis were all giving Bauer plenty of shit about the the three dating rules and <laughs> that article in general. So, uh, you know, he's wearing it and he'll be wearing it for a long time. I'm sure. You could disagree with his philosophy, but at least he's being honest. At least he's being upfront. A lot of relationships could benefit from that. <laughs> okay. Anyway, do you want to do a random Indian of the day? <laughs> I suppose we could do a random Indian of the day, but before we do, we take a quick break, and we'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to the dating game where Zach Meisel is now on the stand and is going to introduce his three rules for his love life. <laughs> Not touching that. Anyway, this is a very special <laughs> random Indian, uh, and I'll tell you why later on. This is a player who played for the Indians from 98 to 2000. 98 to 2000. Okay. A position player. Okay. He signed with the Indians in 1991. 91. As an amateur okay. free agent. 90, 98. Played in 98 to 2000. Signed in 90. As an amateur free agent. Okay. Still he appeared in 92 yeah. games with the Indians. He hit 286 with a 780 OPS. So it was 90 game, 90 some odd games over Correct. three seasons. Okay. All right, position player, 90 games. Uh, still need something. He. So he wasn't bad offensive. No, he wasn't. Dreadful. He was an okay. outfielder. He was the first autograph I ever received. <laughs> oh, man. I still have a baseball. Uh, it was at a baseball camp. I th- this is a pretty easy one, I think. I know. I'm, so I feel like I'm just blanking on it. <clears throat> I was ready for something just nah. horrific, considering what I've done to you the last few There are 12 episodes. people shouting at you from their cars right now. <clears throat> oh, no doubt. That's what makes this fun. Um, can I ask where he yeah, went? Yeah, they traded him in 2000 to Pittsburgh. To Pittsburgh, who would they? Would they? The two thousand was that the Will Cordero trade? God, who did they give? Why can't I remember who they traded for? And Enrique Wilson. Oh come on! We were just talking about this the end of last year. I feel like. Ah, 
it's, it's driving me crazy. This is pretty disappointing. All that bullpen talk melted my brain. I would ask for more clues, but I'm pretty I sure that no matter what you give me, that's all of them, gonna, man. They're not going to born in yeah, Venezuela. I, I, uh, Career war via baseball reference of negative 1.1. He actually, so he played 43 games for the Pirates that year and never played in the majors again. Wow, that's In fact, never played in the minors again. Oh, because he went to foreign country. Where he was a freaking monster. Yeah, the next season he went to Japan and just destroyed pitching over there uh, for I want like you a to decade. Just me, I want you to just put me out of. I want you to put me out of my misery, so we don't just sit here with dead air for ten minutes. But I also don't want you to do that because. Even if you just didn't tell me the minute we end this podcast, I would go, ah, it's blank. Okay, here's this will give it away. He started after his playing career ended in 2013, he started a restaurant in Tokyo. Why would that give it away? I'm kidding. I don't know that. (laughs) They serve Puerto Rican. No idea. He, I I hate that I know what he shared a last name with another outfielder on the Indians. I mean, come on! Do you want me to spell his name for you? Do you want to <laughs> be helpful? No, I Do just want his middle name. No, he stole three career bases. Wow! Just. He Tell and me, another man. Indians outfielder had the same last name. Uh, I, I have no oh idea. God. You're going to... Uh, Alex Ramirez. Uh, of course it was Alex Ramirez. I didn't think he... I thought he was later. I thought it was like 2001, but I'm probably thinking of Alex Escobar. Yeah, Sorry. That's uh, I thought you would have had that from like the first clue. Somebody sent me. I so I did a, a show recently on ninety two three the fan, and we stumbled onto. We were talking about oh, God. It was all sorts of things, but we talked about just random teams that we love for no reason. We we had discussed the most random jersey that you have in the back of your closet, and we had talked about um. Sports nemesis, 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 what's the plural? Nemesis, Nemesis? yeah, sure, we'll go with that. Um, and I had talked about you know the time that Phil Dawson stiffed me for an autograph, and but I I tell you this because somebody sent me in the back of their closet, they have an Alex Ramirez, I think you were 61. A 61 Alex Ramirez jersey, an actual jersey, and they sent that to me. And they said that's the most random jersey they have hanging in their, their closet. That's a good item. Yeah, I didn't have any random baseball ones. I had a lot of weird 
football jerseys. And then I'll never forget, my parents went to the NBA store in New York and came back with a San Antonio Spurs jersey. Don't know why. And on the back, it had number one. And the name was not Meisel. It was Zach Meisel. (laughs) Come on. The only people to ever wear their first and last name on their jerseys were when the Browns had Andre Davis and Andra Davis. I never wore that thing. Oh, my. Yeah. I don't blame you. I'm also shocked that you don't have uh, a jersey from your favorite football team, the Seattle Seahawks. How do you not represent Seattle? Considering you represented as your my first, tweet. first like five ever my first five <laughs> tweets I think were all about the Seattle Seahawks in like 2011. Not sure why. Uh, you just love seven, seven and nine anarchy. You can subscribe to the podcast on oh boy on Anchor on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course Apple Podcasts. We thank everybody that has left us a five star review. And do you have any parting <laughs> words for our? listeners this week before we send them shuffling to the back of their closets to see what they've got do animals drink other animals milk no because they don't have the thumbs to milk their nipples of course not but if they did do you know what a dog would be doing every fucking day good night everybody <laughs>